This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's Q&As. Across the street, they're taking down a giant tree, and they have a crane, a chipper, and a whole bunch of other machines out there. So I'm not sure if it's going to get picked up in the audio, but it's a giant tree. There's no way they're going to be done anytime soon, uh, and I, I want to make sure to get these Q&As out. So hopefully I can filter the audio out, but consider yourself pre-warned if you hear grinding or, I don't know, a tree falling and something smashing in the background. But anyway, let's jump in and see what we got. First up on Patreon, Dr. Lilo wanted to follow up on the conversation from last week about GunCon RGB cables. In both cases, the PS1 and PS2 SCART cables they purchased, which are getting the dropouts, are advertised as sync on Luma. So there's either another issue that's not super obvious or the wrong cables were shipped, which, you know, it's possible, but not not really likely. So I don't know. Dr. Lilo, are you in the US? If you want, if you want to ship me those cables, I could just to run some tests myself to see what's going on. Um, I obviously wouldn't be able to test your entire setup, but I could at least confirm what's going on with those exact cables, both the pinouts, maybe there's shorts inside or something. I, I don't know, but I'm really curious to test this myself because I've done exactly that over the years and never had any issues whatsoever. So, I, I mean, I guess I could break out my cables and retest, but those were the same cables that I ran all of those tests over the years. So, uh, you know, I don't really think anything's wrong with those, but I haven't, I mean, I bought those cables five, six years ago, so who knows? But yeah, contact me privately, just DM me or something if you're interested in that. But I'm out of ideas other than double checking the cables and, and testing other stuff because that should absolutely work. As long as the cables are built properly, that means sync on Luma. So just to nerd out for a second, that means the red, green, and blue color signals as well as the Luma of YC is going to the SCART connector, and the composite video is just going to that GunCon port. So the only things that would be touching, let's say, are ground, because all grounds are going to be shared anyway. Even if the two uh, discrete grounds are run to that composite port, it's still all the same. You could uh, tap them with a multimeter. So in that case, there should be no conflicts. Um, a ground loop might cause an issue. The only other thing, maybe, just for the hell of it, can you test with everything plugged into the same power strip? Meaning your PlayStation, the the scaler, and um, I don't think a TV would matter, but basically make sure the PlayStation and scaler are plugged into the same power strip and see if that does anything. But that's, you know, you might not even want to waste your time doing that because there's almost zero chance of that being the issue. I'm just, I'm out of ideas here. That's so strange. The, the signals should be completely isolated, so there should be no reason for that. But like I said, if you want to send them to me, I could put them on a scope and double check everything and see what's up. 
Next up, Tony Escobar seems to be having an issue with two different analog DACs audio clipping. And this isn't an issue that I've heard of before, so I'm definitely going to look to the comments and you all for help to see if this is something you've run into. But basically, they have their Super NT set up through an analog DAC through their Extron Crosspoint to their PVM. And then they have the audio routed through a soundbar and also tried some Bose shielded speakers just to make sure. And they're always getting audio clipping. They've tried dropping the audio settings in the Super NT just to see what would happen. And the audio did go down, but the clipping still happens. So they've tried playing the same games on a Voltar modded one chip SNES, and the sound is totally fine. They tried two different analog DACs, they tried different audio cables, and they tested HDMI out directly to an LED flat screen, and they don't have any issues whatsoever. Um, I, I just want to double check as well, have you tested directly from the analog DAC to uh, just to those Bose speakers or just to that soundbar and skipped the cross point altogether. That would be the only other thing I would suggest testing. And if it's not that, then I don't know. I would, I would definitely have to default to the comments and anybody else who uses an analog DAC and who has run those tests on it. Basically, just are you getting audio clipping? It's not a scientific test. I mean, uh, so, uh, but that would be the only thing because while I have never had audio issues with my Crosspoint, these things are old. So who knows? Maybe the capacitors are going on there, or maybe you know something's happening. So you're getting audio clipping. You could try a different channel on the Crosspoint if you if you determine that to be the issue. But I would just double check that you've gone directly from the DAC to those speakers. And if you're still getting some kind of audio clipping, then it's going to have to be it's gonna to have to be related to the DAC itself. So anybody that could offer any suggestions would be really appreciated, but that's a weird one, Tony. Sorry you keep getting stuck with these weird issues. <laughs> Next up, Dark Roast Chris. I actually also prefer Dark Roast Coffee when I do drink it, but uh, Dark Roast Chris has a question about a awesome sounding setup. They have 20 consoles all outputting component video into three G-Comp switches daisy-chained together. The final G-Comp switch outputs to both a 36-inch Trinitron and a RetroTINK 4K into an LG OLED. Holy crap, what an awesome setup. I'll continue, though. Um, it took years to acquire and set up everything, but it all works flawlessly, and they love it. Turn on any console, and it comes up on both screens instantly. However, they're thinking about integrating another CRT into this setup, specifically for Tate games. Since the final two outputs of the last G-Comp switch are being used, they would need to split the signal again in order to get it into the Tate CRT. They don't want to alter anything in their setup, just have one more output. They can't see themselves dropping $300 on another GCOM switch just to get one more output, and video quality is important to them, so they were wondering what would be some other good options to split the component video signal. So I have two answers for you. What I personally would do in that situation is slightly rearrange the switches and take everything that outputs Tate and put that into only one G-Comp, maybe let's just say the first one. And then the two outputs of that, one would go into the next switch, daisy chained and so on, but you pull the component video output of switch number one for that Tate CRT because all the consoles that don't have vertical games don't need to be run to that CRT, only the ones that do. So like your Mr. Setup, if you have a Raspberry Pi box or something, or I think there's like one or two PlayStation or Saturn games that have that mode. But basically that's what I, I personally would do. That way you don't have to do 
anything to your existing setup except maybe swap around a couple of cables and it should be completely free other than picking up another set of uh, hopefully hd retrovision component video cables because those are fully shielded and not expensive at all they're like 20 bucks still or something now to answer your actual question though what would you do if you just wanted to add more crts here is where I would try to find a cheap piece of older Xtron equipment. I would get a Crosspoint or any kind of video distribution box. And I would leave the one going to your RetroTINK 4K alone, and I would use the ones going to your CRT with that. Because any other device that you add is going to add interference. However, how much interference and can you see it are the questions. And if you're going from analog to analog, the chances of you seeing minimal interference are near zero, if not zero. Whereas getting this stuff cleaned up and then scaled to 4K on a beautiful OLED TV, you might actually notice a small difference. So I would take the uh, CRT side component video out and either run it through a cheap, they're just called component video distribution amps. They're usually one in, three out, one in, four out, and they're perfectly safe to use all at the same time. They're designed for this exact purpose. Or if you wanted to, if you couldn't find one of those, you could find an Xtron Crosspoint and just use one input to a bunch of outputs. Or I guess if you wanted to redo your whole setup, you could sell the G-Comps and just run everything through one Crosspoint. But I found that if you jam all of those cables into one thing, it could there could be more issues. And if you have a setup that's already working perfectly like yours, I am a very strong believer in leave well enough alone. So I think video distribution amp would be what you're looking for. Component video distribution. And you could go from there. And it should be completely compatible with everything. So let's say you end up getting a Sony PVM as your Tate monitor. You should be able to either run component or if it's one of the rare uh, monitors that do not take component, you could run it through a comp to RGB the distribution amp shouldn't affect any of that. And if it only adds the tiniest bit of interference, you're not going to be able to see that on a CRT. And But most won't, most decent ones. It's been my experience that either you'll plug it in and you'll go, wow, that looks like crap. Or you'll plug it in and you'll go, it looks exactly the same. So it's very rare I've seen one uh, be anywhere in the middle. They're usually terrible or totally fine. Uh, one more question are there any reputable sellers or brands of controller extension cables specifically for the Neo Geo consoles? Console 5 has been out of stock on their cables for years, or they would have bought from them. They purchased a set off of eBay for the Neo Geo AES, and the pins were very blunt and uneven looking, not something they would trust plugging their controllers into. Um, no, I don't know of any, and I, I would love to find out some. Uh, for Neo Geo controllers, I think you could get off-the-shelf cables that are the same pinouts, just that uh, DB15 style, and you could just get plug and receptacle ends, so extension cable style on those. Um, but I don't remember where I got them from. You could check monoprice. It just, they wouldn't be listed as Neo Geo. They'd be listed as like 15 pin or something. But the problem with Neo Geo specifically is the ends are, are very long on those so that the, the rubber goes deep into the Neo Geo AES. So if you're using an AES, then that would be an issue. Like you said, you were using, um, but if you're using an MVS or one of those, uh, like super guns, that wouldn't be an issue. So you might end up having to do something if um, if you don't like the way they look. You might try to repurpose another cable. <clears throat> I don't know. That would be a, a tough one. 
I mean, does anybody out there have any good recommendations for Neo Geo controller extension cables? Because that's for specifically compatible with the AES or I guess Neo Geo CD, because it would be good to know. Um, I've definitely had issues myself with the controller cables where I'll be playing and the controller will stop working and I'll like smack where the, the, you know, the controller plugs into the extension and it'll start working again. So yeah, I don't know. I would love to find a good source for all of those. And uh, thank you very much for the kind words as well. I appreciate that, Chris. Next up, a couple of mystery related questions from Photos Fane. And I'm just going to skip directly to the answer to make it a little less confusing because there's certainly a lot of pieces going together for this. So first up, Photosphane's looking to get a complete mister setup that has a power button, but they don't really need any analog video output, at least now. Maybe in the future they might, but at the moment they don't. So the best one by far for that would then be the RetroCastle digital only case, the dual RAM compatible one. And I personally would just buy it with one 128 meg RAM stick, just because you don't need dual RAM now, unless you're a beta tester or something like that. So that's definitely the best for you at the moment. However, you're located in Norway, so pre-ordering it through Ryan would, uh, in the U.S. would definitely not be in your best interest just because of the, the shipping costs. So you would just want to wait until it popped up on the AliExpress store. The only difference is Ryan is taking pre-orders, whereas Ivory wants to list them once stock arrives, which should either be any day now or if it has to be after New Year's, then it would be about probably a couple weeks from now. So I would guess that no more than a month until they appear on the RetroCastle AliExpress store, and that's definitely the one to get. Uh, if you're looking to save some money or if you'd like the Plexi cases, I actually love the Plexi cases, then I would get those. The, um, the all-metal ones, the one I always have sitting next to me, that's, uh, you know, those are a good choice if that's what you prefer. I like those as well, but I just, I don't know. I like being able to, to see the circuit boards. I think that's cool. But yeah, that's that's definitely it. So I that's my personal recommendation that doesn't that's not throwing shade at other ones it's like a uh, drummer syndrome i always say whenever a band gets a new drummer and they're getting interviewed it's like oh how's the new drummer oh they're awesome they sound great there's always a bunch of people in the comments who are like oh so you're saying your old drummer was shit that's not cool they started that band with you it's not what they said and that's not what i'm saying i'm saying these are my favorites and there's not just preference i did prove in that video technically why they're my favorites as well so those are the ones i'm, I'm definitely recommending um the next question, what is the blister? The blister is a failed project that used the Blissbox technology to try and get a zero latency solution into the mister. I think after a while it worked, but at the beginning it was still a little bit of latency. So light guns, the only reason that you would need something like that didn't quite work at the beginning. I think they did towards the end, but everybody just went towards snack, uh, which is why you don't really hear about blister anymore. So um, I definitely wouldn't deal with that at all. What I would do, uh, no doubt whatsoever, is pick up Mick Giver's Daemon Byte adapters. If you're in Norway, that going directly from the Daemon Byte website would probably be the best bet for you. And those are one millisecond controller adapters. So you can't use light guns with them. However, um, it doesn't really matter. You're never going to notice one millisecond. And to be clear, for anybody like half listening, maybe you're jogging her in the car, not one frame, one millisecond. That should be in your brain considered as zero when it comes to controller latency. And if anybody tells you different, they've been misinformed. 
so yeah, that's basically it. Um, and the good thing about all Mr. Setups is if you decide you don't want analog video options now, or if you're using an older kit with the slightly stepped down analog video, you could always just add a direct video solution to the HDMI output. And I'm gonna be doing a very extensive video on that soon that'll show you how to split it, how to go to multiple things. So stay tuned for that. But those are my recommendations. And uh, you know, I'll leave a link to the Retro Castle video for anybody that hasn't seen it yet. Next up, Jeff L wants to know why we don't talk more about using early 2000s era video cards with Vivo for connecting to CRTs. And Vivo was video in, video out that came with a lot of AMD ATI at the moment or at the time cards. And some of them had these little DIN connectors on them with a breakout box with composite and S-video inputs and outputs. So they were capture card and video out. And the reason that most people don't talk about them is because they would output 480i, not 240p. As far as I'm remembering, it was just 20 years ago, so maybe uh, maybe my brain has gone to a little bit of mush since then, but I could swear they outputted 480i, which in most cases would actually be what you would want to do in that scenario, just not for retro gamers. So you would have to hack one of those up uh, with a custom BIOS, I think, to get 240p, but then you'd also have to get drivers working on it or you'd have to build an XP machine. And if you're looking to, if you're really just looking to output on a CRT, a downscaler is way better and cheaper. I mean, you could build yourself a GBS control for what, like less than 50 bucks with everything that you need. So that's definitely um, what I would suggest for that. Uh, now, you talked a little bit more about uh, having, having success getting that to work and also trying to get component video working. And I would say the same thing. I would say getting some kind of digital to analog converter, uh, even an HDMI to component video converter, and just setting your PC to output 240p, 480p, or anything around that would be better. Um, now, obviously, you have to, there's downscaling, there's do you want 480i or do you want 480, or 240p? There's a lot of discussions about that, and I, it really just comes down to what you're looking to do. So component video for me, I would still use a GBS control. I would just use the, uh, I would configure it for component video output rather than uh, RGB HV. And if you're going SCART, you could always go that way. Getting down to composite, I mean, this is the same talk we have a couple times a month these days about downscaling. It's just, it's going to be way more complicated. So if I'm missing something or if there is a way we could use those older, uh, I think they were, they were AGP cards, right? Please let me know. Maybe we could just get 240p right out of those and stick it in an external box. I would love to see like a USB 3 AGP conversion box so you could buy those old graphics cards. But I just think at the end of the day, you're going to end up spending a heck of a lot more money than just getting some kind of downscaling solution to do it. But please let me know in the comments if I'm wrong. If, if I am, I would love to look into this just for fun. But that's generally why we don't recommend it. It's just cheaper and easier to get any other solution to go to 480i or 240p. Next up, Stephen Faust just picked up an original Xbox and are looking to connect to the RetroTINK 4K via the GamesCare SCART switch because then the RetroTINK 4K, you could just select which signal over SCART, but they're trying to figure out a way to do that. I would definitely recommend just getting the Retro Gaming Cable's component video over SCART cable. So it looks like a standard SCART cable, but it's really just running component video. Um, 
if that's not something that's available to you, or if you've already bought another solution, like it seems that Steven has, then there's probably other ways to do that. But I just wanted to make it clear to start out, that's how I would do it just because it completely solves your issue and should be everything that you needed. It's just component video, but run through a SCART switch. However, it looks like Steven picked up the open source Xbox uh, video project and is starting to make their own box uh, with it or either bought one pre-made or they just have a component video cable. So at that point, you have a couple of options. You could cut the ends off of that component video cable and solder them into a SCART connector, essentially making your own component to SCART adapter. And that'll be exactly like the retro gaming cables version. It's just, you're gonna have to hand make it. You could try to use some other kind of breakout box to build your own. Um, you, meaning, meaning your own converter, so you could actually try to build your own SCART converter. What I would love to see is a community-built one. Um, you know, the SCART coupler and a couple other projects that we've done are open source, so I would love to see somebody make one so that maybe you could have YPBPR RCA jacks and then just a 3.5 millimeter audio jack. And yes, it would require a pigtail, but at least there would be enough room on it so that you could plug it directly into a SCART connector. So that would be the best scenario for you, but I don't know anybody who's made one yet, and my friends who are making stuff like that have gotten much busier and don't have the time to. So maybe somebody would be willing to step up, including a 3D printed design. Um, I could talk to some other people and see, but if we got enough people interested, I think that might be a great way to solve this exact issue. The only adapters that I'd found over the years are no longer made, and one of them had the audio inputs in front, so you couldn't slot it in a SCART switch between them because it would just bump into each other. So you would really need all of the inputs and out or inputs on the top of it. So I'll see what I could do. Um, if you've already bought that, you know, you might want to just keep using it and try to adapt it some way that I've said. But yeah, hopefully somebody out there would be willing to work on that with me. And everything's already available. So you should be able to just bounce off of the existing designs. But I guess we'll see. Next up, Muramasa wants to have a portable screen that they could use during live streams for testing to connect to an NES. And they had a few that they tried, but it doesn't seem to work with it. So they're looking to see what they could do in order to get that solved. And there's a couple of different ways that you could do this. Um, First, you have to determine what the problem is. My guess is that it's probably the same issue as all flat panels and that it just doesn't like 240p. It could just be something that's de-jitter related, but if you're going to be using this for testing, that would mean you'd have to add the de-jitter board to every NES that you're outputting. So that doesn't really seem, seem like something that would be good. So if it really is a 240p or de-jitter issue, you might want to look into getting one that does 480p and just using the cheapest scaler. In fact, here is where those absolutely garbage scalers that are designed for video signals would be a perfectly good solution. You know, you get one of those cheap composite to HDMI scalers and get a 720p portable monitor and it's going to look terrible and it's going to have a lot of lag. But who cares? If you're just using it for testing, that might solve your issue right away. Um, depending on what you already own, you might want to just use a retro tank and go to 480p or something like that. Uh, but if you're talking about getting a screen that could just accept 240p, then it's going to get complicated because you could also run into driver board revisions where you buy the same kit three times and two of them work and one of them doesn't because of a firmware rev that's not updatable by you or you meaning like the consumer or anybody. So it could get very, very tricky. Um, 
uh, the one thing you could probably do is try to get like a PlayStation One. Remember they had that that screen that could clip onto a PS One. That's definitely 240p compatible. Otherwise, it probably wouldn't work at all. Although I don't remember if that one uses composite or RGB, so that might be another issue. But yeah, I don't know. So that's a tough one. I would love to have anybody in the is listening in the comments wants to drop a suggestion. Just a polite reminder: please don't use links because YouTube will auto delete the link. And it won't even show up in my held for review bin. It'll just be gone. So if you're going to make a suggestion, say the model, brand, you know, and where to get it, and uh, just don't use uh, don't use any URLs, or else it's just going to probably disappear. But sorry, I don't have an easier answer for you, Muramasa. But um, hopefully, I could at least help troubleshoot where the issue is coming from, so you'll know what steps to take next. Next up, Thomas wants to know if there's any product that simply tells your TV to go into HDR mode for a 720p or 1080p HDMI signal. They'd like to do this with their analog consoles into their 4K HDR capable TV. So there are ways to spoof that, but then you're going to have a color mismatch on screen. The reason stuff like the Tink 5X and 4K are so important is because it doesn't just tell your TV to go into that mode. It changes the colors to output in a way where it actually looks correctly uh, correct. It does color mapping for that. And the Tink 5X does a good job. Not It's not perfect, but if you're doing that with scan lines, then it's probably unnoticeable to most people. The Tink 4K does it perfectly, but that's a very expensive device that you might not need otherwise. So... Um, the answer to your question, the short answer is yes, there's a couple of things that you could do to spoof it, but it's going to look terrible. The colors are, it's not one of those things like two chip versus one chip SNES. It's going to be like if you reversed the colors on your TV or something, it's going to look terrible. So I wouldn't suggest doing that unless there's any device out there that could do the color tone mapping as well. But if there is a device like that, does it buffer the signal? Is it designed for gaming? You're probably going to swing back around to just getting a RetroTINK 5X or 4K if you need to do stuff like that. But excellent question. Just one of those things where the, the answer is, sadly, you can't, you can't do that. But great question. Next up, Kyle was able to get a RetroTINK 4K, and they're going to be mounting it inside a cabinet that's open while gaming, but closed otherwise. And they're wondering what a threshold ambient temperature is. Should they think about putting a temperature sensor in, or is this something they have to worry about? So I have guess answers and fact answers, and I'm going to start with the guess because it's easiest. My guess is that as long as there's ventilation on top, so you don't have it stacked, uh, something stacked directly on top, which you definitely shouldn't, it needs some airflow, then you're not going to have to worry about it at all if you're opening the cabinet during gameplay. And as long as you just turn off the Tink 4K and then close the door, you should never have to worry about that at all. If you do have to uh, have any concerns, you could just install Greg's fan kit. And it is a bit of work to get everything open and to get it soldered to the correct points, but... If temperature is something that you're worried about, that's definitely something that's a great option. And I'll leave a link to that if you want to. Now, the as far as facts go, you would just have to look up the FPGA chip that's used in it, go find the spec sheet, and find what they their temperature rating is. And it will almost surely be a wide spectrum. So this chip can run between 0 degrees Fahrenheit and 175 degrees Fahrenheit. And that doesn't mean that you should be running it at zero or you should be running it at 175. It should be middle, it's ambient, uh, like idle temperature should be middle section of that, like room temperature basically, give or take a little bit more. But 
then when you're, it's actually in use and doing a lot of heavy processing, don't be worried if it goes up high, but you don't want it always at the limit. And you could run into some issues with that as well. So um, I would, if it's something that concerns you, I would just get any cheap temperature sensor. You can get temperature sensor kits. Just don't get ones for refrigerators. Those are really meant for uh, for colder temperatures and not super accurate. They're really just meant to make sure your refrigerator is actually working. I would pick up ones that are meant for electronics. Things like cheap multimeters sometimes have temperature sensors you could plug in, and they're fairly accurate enough. And then just put some Kapton tape on top of the chip on it. Uh, try not to seal it in too much or you could actually create more heat. But I, I would do that and just see what temperature readings you get. I just, I probably wouldn't worry about it or I would just throw that fan kit in and never worry about it. But I do appreciate that my fellow nerds pay attention to this stuff and they want to make sure that they're treating their equipment well. So I'm always very happy to answer it, even if my gut is telling me you probably don't have to worry in that scenario. But hey, there's could be a lot of other people listening that might have it in some kind of AV rack that's always closed. So stuff like this would be a really important thing to talk about. So great question. Uh, I'll leave a link to the fan kit, but I don't think you'll need to worry about it. Well, that's it for this time. Hopefully it came out okay. I, I stopped every time the grinder was going because it's 50 feet outside of my window, so it probably would have bled through to the mic. And I guess it started at the end of some sections. So I really hope today's uh, Q&A came out at least listenable, you know, it's kind of give you flashbacks of being in New York City and getting ready to record. And then jackhammers started all around me at the same time. And I'd have to record whenever they went on their breaks. And yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't miss that. I miss the city a lot, but I, I don't miss that. This was definitely a weird flashback. But anyway, if you want to participate in these Q&As, ask any question that you would like, wherever it is that you support, just please put it in the latest Q&A post. The way these services work, I can't really figure out what's a new question on an older post. Plus, like you saw today, I just like scrolling through in real time and answering as if we were hanging out somewhere together at a coffee shop or a bar or something. And just another reminder, I know I say this every week, but everybody who supports is uh, is welcome to ask any question. This is really a thank you to everybody. And very often the questions are only on Patreon because that's where the most supporters are. But any support place, you're welcome to ask. This is really a thank you to you. And if you're not a supporter, just ask anywhere else, put the Q&As and I will try my best to answer. I spend a probably unhealthy amount of time on social media trying to help people out and answer everybody's question. But I just, uh, not enough hours in the day. So I'm sorry if I missed you elsewhere, but I'll, I never ever miss the weeklies. And if I do, it's only because something happened in post, just re-ask the question or DM me if you mean anything, if you need anything. But anyway, thank you all very much. And I will see you next week, hopefully without a tree getting tore down across the street.